microphone went. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Photography Bar. We've got phones buzzing already, so we've already gone off the off the rails, derailed it already. Guys, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yes, you guys? Very well, very well. Yeah. Mark, you okay? Yeah, all good, all good. You guys been up to much? Or? Uh, no, I can't say I have, actually. <laughs> still still no, sat here in lockdown yet. Yeah. Um, I've had a fair... I've had a fair bit going on actually. Just some, it's mainly video stuff that we're having to work on, uh, just editing some stuff, and that's just taken seems to have taken up so much time. But uh, it's you good can't to mention be video. You can't really, video in the photography bar. Really. It's like saying um, it's like saying Voldemort. Well, it, well, it goes hand, it goes hand in hand now, doesn't it? <laughs> of course, you know, photography. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I'm just I'm just leg pulling. I'm hoping Nathan's yeah. listening and he's going to come back yeah. and uh, come back on soon and uh, yeah, that's right. Have a go at me. <laughs> yeah tell you how it is yeah yeah well um i've been doing some bits and pieces just working on business stuff obviously not a lot of shooting going on but um did any of you guys watch the um the super bowl um sunday night i did Um, not watch it in fact i'll tell you what my super bowl experience is uh really quickly i won't take up much time with this right but i think (laughs) must have been going back maybe seven or eight years ago when i was living with my parents still and um my dad put the super bowl on i think he just wanted to just see what the fuss was about and so did my brother Stephen and um, they watched the coin toss and they said that the coin toss I didn't watch it but they said the coin toss got the loudest cheer of the entire game <laughs> so, and that just like well, was, you know there was a bit of that with um, the, the the last one on, on Sunday the, there was a streaker involved oh, really? and uh, yeah the tweets were like yeah well that streak has done more yards than the Kansas, than, than the Chiefs anyway so uh, <laughs> So it's like, yeah, yeah. wasn't you running um, across the pitch, was it? <laughs> Not on this occasion, no. Okay. We're in lockdown. <laughs> We're in lockdown, of course. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. But I well, think... Sorry, go on, Mark. I was going to say, the re- reason I brought that up, it wasn't just a frivolous thing, is is obviously a Super Bowl was a bit different this year. Um, they did have some crowd in, but it wasn't full capacity. They had a lot of um, sort of cardboard cutouts. Actually, the optical illusion was quite cool because it did actually look like a full stadium, but, but it was nowhere near full. And because of that, um, what they were able to do, uh, they they managed to put more cameras in this year. Um, obviously, because most of the audience now um, was at home. And um, yeah, so basically, um, with COVID-19, there's was less fans, but more cams. And uh, not you, <laughs> obviously, um, but more, more cameras. Um, and in fact, it was 120 different cameras in total. Oh, crikey. Wow. Yeah, it was. It's an incredible feat. And again, they, they were saying that they can only really do it that much because they didn't have fans in the studio. Um, but I've I've got a list of the cameras. Oh, um, what you got all so the makes had, and models? Have you? Not all the makes and models, no. Because to be fair, some of that is a bit hush hush. I think they don't like oh, okay. saying exactly. I've got some of the information of that, but not all. But the cameras that they had, thirty-two cameras in the eight end zone pylons. 31 super slow-mo cameras, 19 electronic field production units. So it's basically just handhelds on, 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 on the floor. Um, 18 robotic cameras, 12 8 or 4K cameras, four sky cameras or fly flyby cameras, um, two wireless pylon cameras, two eye-on-the-line cameras, one trolley cam, and one movie bird cam. And a partridge in a pear tree. Oh there my we go. god, that's um, a lot of cameras. <laughs> it was a lot of oh, cameras. Hope they're backing um, that footage up. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Some of the sites I was um, looking at just to find out all the in- intricacies of it. Um, oh. They have lots and lots of 
obviously units I, I, but i didn't really go into that part because it was the, the camera part that was really interesting me but but yeah they absolutely went went nuts a couple of um features as well so the um the trolley cam um basically um operates it's on a wire and um it goes basically from one end of the stadium to the other um along sort of an angle um that resembles a fan's view from the stand so this camera would not normally be there if it was a full house right okay um but it can travel up to 65 mile an hour guys oh my god well i was going to say it's 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 amazing how much you know sky sports has changed and football uh cricket any of those sports have changed dramatically i mean you've got obviously var now and cricket's had the third umpire for many years tennis has uh the line call judges don't they they, they have the uh, you know the the digital screen whatever is where the ball bounces and everything um yeah. and it's and it's amazing how much it moved on and when you go back and watch football from you know 10 years ago 20 30 years ago um you know the the quality of the footage just isn't there but the camera angles that we now take mm. for granted I mean, I remember when, mm. do you know, go back a few years ago, they were really pushing 3D TV and Sky was really <laughs> pushing the 3D football. Um, and I actually yeah. never, I never actually got to see it. I never saw what it was like, but it, it was, had a very short shelf life, didn't it? It didn't seem to be, they don't seem to have it now at all. It was never fun when the ball hit you in the face. I, well, I, no. Did you actually ever that? Did you ever actually watch that? No, no, no. The only bit of 3D I've done was when I gone to the cinema, but if you're like me and you wear glasses and you have no interest in wearing contacts, it, it it's not as nice as experience, really. Mm. It's um, an uncomfortable experience wearing it those. is. I I I don't like wearing the glasses really. Um, so that's probably why. I mean, why would you sit with those glasses on in your in your living room? I, I just I could just never see myself doing it. Do I feel like mean? I feel like Cam stealthily got us off on a tangent here. No, no, not too long. Yeah. Actually, I remember going to. No, I haven't. No, because I want to come okay. back to that because it's all part of it, I, I guess. But mm. I remember going back. I remember going to the cinema a few years ago, and you're going to groan, Robert. But I went to see uh, you two had done. Uh, oh. there, there was a film of one of their gigs, but it was in 3D. And I remember going yeah. to the cinema to watch it in 3D. Cam loves you two almost as much as he loves Coldplay. <laughs> almost oh really yeah yeah almost <laughs> <laughs> okay right so I, went, so, so I went to watch it and i was actually thinking this would actually be i would prefer to watch it you know in just normal you know n- normal screen rather than watching it in 3d 3d didn't do anything to add to the experience at all at least i didn't mm. think so you know when well, you couldn't feel bono's yeah. hair brush against your chin or <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you, you you two are look you two are a great band coldplay on the ad on the ad well you know um we won't go you two there. are okay you two are okay yeah, I mean, you, are, you, you two are the are the are just they are the biggest spam band now in the world surely after that apple album release well now you're going we really have gone off on a tangent guys now we're going yeah, we have, right. back, let's get back, yeah, to, back to the super bowl, super bowl. So, yeah. back to super bowl but i mean i think what was amazing i mean one of the other things that they did as well is they um they had this um uh what's called uh, a movie bird crane a movie bird cam rather um which was basically um 53 feet in the air um and this sort of camera is usually used for films and TV productions. So they really went all out. But the biggest sort of difference really with this was um, is, is they used some Sony Venice cameras and it caused a bit of a hoo-ha because early on in the season, they used these cameras and it was purely for touchdown celebrations. So when they're on the end of the, in the, in the end zone, and you know they've done the touchdown and they're sort of congratulating each other, a bit like when a footballer runs away and celebrates, you know, it's that kind of thing, but yeah. they tend to do it in the end zone 
when when they celebrate and um, they were using these cameras and everyone was blown away by the footage because uh, they all thought oh this is 8k this is 8k cameras these are all 8k footage and all that but it wasn't these cameras are, by all accounts were still only 1080 but what they did is that they used a low low depth of field right so it created this kind of 3d effect like, i mean we we're just talking about 3d there but it almost caused this 3d almost like a video game it was like the madden nfl um video games and so it was 1080 but because they could use a lot they used a low depth of field they used a higher frame rate so higher shutter speed so there wasn't that blurring so it just created this almost like surreal dream like ethereal kind of um, footage of these players I'd like to see that actually well i have found a link Oh, okay. We'll put that link out, shall we? Then. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that comes from gaming, Robert. You're you're a real gamer, aren't you? And I have been oh, known to pick up a controller from time to time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think um, I wonder if that is. I, th- I wonder if that technique is called a technique. You can't call te- that depth of field like it's some brand new thing. But I wonder whether that has come from um, uh, gaming, and there's certainly a younger audience now. They're used to just seeing things like that. I think. Um, I think it's more the opposite, to be honest with you, Cam. Because right. obviously depth of field has been, you know, hmm. it's been Never in photography <laughs> since its, since its it, yeah. inception, you know, and actually you've seen depth of field and things brought into video games as the, as the graphical side of things has developed over the years and mm. you can adjust the depth of field or you can turn it on and off in certain games. Um, and that's to try and add a more photorealistic quality to what you're seeing then or give different depth to different things as well. So it's more actually the opposite that it's come from, you know, straight well, you from say camera that. tech. You say that, but this is the first time that this kind of um, technique, well, low depth of field technique was used in live sports filming. Because normally the, the main object is to get make sure everything's in frame and make sure everything's in focus as much as you can. So to use low depth of field, this is actually quite a breakthrough, which it seems bizarre because it is such a an old school um, technique, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But yeah. never it's never been used in... Um, in in sports film, I suppose it's really you know is it is it a creative decision they made to enhance the visuals or is it more they wanted to disguise the fact that the stadium was seventy five percent empty or eighty percent empty because you know that that, know. that dropping that background out just trying to blur the line a little bit and uh, and hide the fact that you've got you so know, it's not, it's it? not just the backgrounds that's sort of uh, out of focus out of, mm. out of focus it's out of the depth of field um, but also you have the, the footballers coming in from behind the camera to congratulate the guy who did the touchdown and, and whatever you know the right. celebration so the foregrounds is out of focus as well so it just creates that depth I suppose a real and, cinematic look yeah and of course with the higher frame so the higher shutter speed the higher frame rate obviously to get that exposure right was creating this there was no blurriness or anything like that um, that you, you might get if something's quick on one, two, fifth or whatever it is that I normally film on. Um, but it was a lot quicker. So you got no blurring, but you got this sort of depth of um, this depth of field that really kind of created that 3D effect. And as I say, a lot of a lot of broadcasters, I mean, I'm in on YouTube and check it out. You know, a lot of broadcasters going, oh, this is 8K. This is 8K. It's not it's 1080. <laughs> I suppose you've got, you've got such a different looking uh, visual, haven't you, that people will just just assume that it is you know something's going on here um yeah you know, but I, th- I think a lot of the i think a lot of people i mean it, to be fair if you if it, even if it was that look of 8k or if it was 8k you're not going to notice it are you unless you're watching on an 8k tv am i right well, in saying that i'm no expert on that sort of thing but 
you know, it's not just yeah, going to look I'd sharper magically. That. You'd have to have, you know, the, the white screen to display yeah. that, wouldn't you really, to get the full advantage of it. Anyway, that's a separate discussion, I suppose, talking yeah. about um, uh, 8K and HD quality, etc. But I was just going to actually say, is is uh, is that all video, Mark? Or is was that for stills as well? Were they tracking um, the players for stills with automatic cameras? And I oh, know all I'm basing this on is, is the, the coverage of the game. Right. Okay. Um, so um, it's the coverage of the game. I mean, all these cameras were used for the coverage of the game, also for the halftime entertainment. Um, and then, I mean, I can't imagine all those 120 cameras were for the actual game. You know, there's also looking at the the stands. Obviously, they do a lot of. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they call it the bench. I'm, I'm not an officiado of NFL. I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. interested, but I'm not an officiado. Um, but you know, you're looking at the coaches and stuff. So that's another camera. And then you're looking at. You got the fly, fly mile. That's another camera. And then. You got obviously the, the the situation shots of the stadium. That's another camera. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, there's a lot yeah. of cameras, and I dare say there's cameras within, you know, inside the stadium, looking at the commentators and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's all See. the cameras in compass. But just to um, give you an idea, though, okay. Um, so with uh, so this, there was 120 cameras in total for this game. In a normal game, they use 15 to 20 cameras. That's a bit of a difference, isn't it? It's just a little bit of a difference. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, there's a, a lot of cameras. Uh, generally, it's Sony stuff as well that they were using. Um, although I couldn't get the information on all the cameras. Um, so they were using the HDC 5500, uh, the 4500, the 4800, 3500, the 2500, and the P50. Um, they got 16 speciality um, RF cameras. And then they're using some Canon lenses as well, um, which I got the information on. So some of their new cameras. And one of them had this um, ASC, which was this coating that um, helped against ghosting and flare. So there's a lot of new things happening. So a lot of new technology was being put onto, onto this game. Um, so, yeah, I just found it incredible that the amount of, it's you know yes it's bad that the fans weren't there and, and COVID's bad but it kind of pushed the, the broadcasters to do something a little bit different this year. Yeah, you wonder how really much cool. of that will carry over once fans are fully yeah. you know back in in stadiums as well, and what will carry I mean, over I, into different sports here in the UK. You know? Yeah, I really hope so. Uh, it'd be great to see yeah you know the FA Cup and using this you know when the footballers are celebrating to use that sort of uh, low depth field. I think would look marvellous. I think it's also. I think it's also yeah. changed because, you know, I think photography and video now has got closer. I mean, there's a part of me that says, oh, is video becoming like photography? You know, are, is the approach from videographers in now um, becoming like photographers in the sense of depth of field so much more? But obviously film has always done that. Videographers have, have yeah. always used that. But I also found, find now myself that when I edit certain pictures, I almost sort of uh, think, oh, yeah, that looks quite cinematic, that still. You know, and because we do a lot of video, I do a lot of video as well, you know, there's that real crossover between there's more of a crossover now between photographers and videographers because so many do both now and i think there's a generation that's coming up that are are becoming skilled in 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 both disciplines uh, mm. that there's such a crossover now and technology has lent itself to do that as well and i think we're going to see more and more of what you've you know with, with depth of field use in sports and everything because i just think it's also what people want to do it's what creators visual creators uh, are, are doing now photographers and videographers and whether they're filmmakers and 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 it's you know whenever you watch a film you know great film you know they've, they've always got the photographer that was part of the the end credits and 
and some of the landscapes and some of the things that you see, they, they just look incredible. You, you can watch a film and think, wow, that was incredibly filmed. Um, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I think I might have mentioned that before. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a I mean, great that's, film. The though. way that's been filmed, um, yeah. it's got this sepia-type tone all the way through it, but the mm. landscape and everything. And that film is... Well, the Coen brothers are, are really good for that. I mean... Um, mm. And that's no Country just, for Old Men's another one, which I thought was shot brilliantly. Exactly. And that's not just a fear, that's not just for um film enthusiasts to watch. I think Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And that's not the only film, but loads since then, or you know, probably before then as well, but mainly since then, or it's made me aware. That film is for photographers as well. You know, if you're mm. a keen photographer, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is just brilliant. And and I think that's now also where you see lots of tones and, and different colour tones coming in on photos. That's not just down to Instagram and filters. That and I think that's been a cinematic influence on um on photography and mm. uh, when it comes to image editing but i think that's mm. how uh, how closely they've become intertwined now more so than ever before yeah and just that basic using low depth field i mean it's you know, it's one of the first things you learn isn't it in photography you know this is what an aperture does mm. this is what it does and and for all these people to go ape over it about oh it's okay and it's not this is a <laughs> it's just something they were using 200 years ago probably do you know I what think, i mean i think the big thing about it is that you know we are trained aren't we to see things in a certain way and mm. it doesn't matter if it's your first nfl game um, or your you know 500th you've watched or whatever um you, you know what to expect when you're watching live sports whether it's football basketball you know cricket whatever it is you're used to a certain uh, broadcasting look aren't you so i think yeah. it's less um that this is a major breakthrough or something we haven't seen before it's something we see in films that cam said all the time it's more that you're just seeing it in a different context and that's what's a bit jarring um almost yeah. for people so but it's I think not that's a technical probably... i wouldn't say it's a technical breakthrough like you were saying yeah yeah creatively though i think it's, a it's bit of something because oh yeah something different it's not and... been done that's right, and uh, but I, I do I do wonder if actually it was you know if I have absolutely zero experience in broadcasting, <laughs> but uh, I have to wonder if if the guys in the production truck um, were did it as a as a creative approach to actually disguising the fact the stadium was made, you know massively empty. Um, mm. And you, you know, cardboard cutouts look a bit more real, perhaps, when they're out of focus. <laughs> so, yeah, that's perhaps. probably what I would, yeah. I would imagine. Well, they, but yeah. they've had to approach things differently because I know that when um, when when Liverpool won the 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 oh, Premier okay. League uh, in in May or whenever 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 we won it, August, whatever it was. And they 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 were presented with the trophy. It was presented in the in the stands of like where the cop are. So they'd created this space in the middle of of the of the stand where all the the fans sit. But they filmed it all very close up. That was the thing. That's how they filmed mm. watching it. And you know when they showed them lifting up the trophy and going in on the players and they obviously didn't zoom around the stadium because obviously it was empty. There was nobody there, but everything was filmed really close up. And I, and I could tell that that's how they'd done it, but I was watching it more closely because they were saying that it's going to be a unique trophy lifting experience. Um, the way that it was done. Yes, it was unique in the sense that they'd put it in the middle of the, of the stand where the fans normally sit, but I was watching, so I was watching it closely. and was wondering how they're going to approach it, but it was to do with the way actually Sky Sports had decided to film it as well. And uh, it, it was done really well. I thought actually, so yeah well i think yeah so generally but i'd say we'll put the link up um it's a youtube link and um i, I think we'll put it because there's a certain there was not that many touchdowns going on in the super bowl but i think it was a certain touchdown where you really see the effects of that camera working and i think it's about one minute 50 in but we'll write that down under the link and um we'll, yeah. we'll put it's it good on, to see on how all these episode. techniques are developing 
Well, it's great that it's techniques, isn't it? That that yeah. are pushing it. It's not all about tech. It's also about knowing your techniques and it's stuff that you learn straight off and, and just implementing those techniques. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're talking a lot there about, about gear and things. And I think sometimes we're guilty of this. I think all photographers, uh, you know, not just podcasters, but <laughs> I think all photographers, you go to a trade show, you talk gear, don't you? Uh, mm. But how often do we actually talk uh, technique, uh, composition? We, we're always you know, talking about frame rates or we're talking about um, megapixels or, or whatever it is. Um, but I think sometimes actually we forget that it's not really all about the gear, is it? And um, I think, you know, you can have someone that is a technical master you know, they can know a camera inside and out, take it apart, put it back together, know what every feature is, whether it's one you may or may not even use or even come across in the menus, um, but they can't take a good picture. And the two don't translate because you've got a very good technical knowledge doesn't mean that you're a creative person or you've got that creative element. And I think that is often something that uh, gets forgotten about a little bit when we talk about gear. Um, it doesn't matter if you get the Sony A1 it's not going to make you take a good picture <laughs> if you're crap at taking pictures. No. Um, and I think that we we do well to actually talk about, you know, composition, for example, a little bit more and and mm. um, and get people to shift away from, you know, the latest buzzword that's being put out in a press release for a new Sony unveiling or a Canon unveiling and, uh, and, and get down to technique a bit more. And I want to talk a little bit today about composition um, for that reason. Well, yeah, it's that age-old thing, Robert, and you you sort of touched on it there that, you know, when people say, I want to learn how to take better pictures, I want to be able to take better pictures, I want to go and buy a better camera, that's the first thing they'll do. And they find that, you know, that's not the case. Uh, Their pictures aren't any better because they've just gone out and spent a few hundred pounds on a better DSLR. They think the camera is going to do it for them. It's not like going out to buy, you know, a bit of audio that's going to make your your CD sound better or some speakers where you can clearly hear the difference between, you know, your old and your new. If you don't use the camera properly, if you don't know how to use it, it doesn't matter what type of camera you're using, whether you're using a phone, a point and shoot or the Nikon D6 or whatever, you know, if you don't know how to, if you really don't know about basic techniques and i'm talking about not what the camera does and that shutter speed and aperture but i'm talking about the thought process and 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 composition techniques of how to take a photo it doesn't matter what camera that you use your pictures are never going to be any good yeah absolutely and we do get way too caught up in brands and we get you know which a number follows this number (laughs) and at the end of the day none of it none of it matters i think you've said mark haven't you that um some of the uh, canon equipment that you use it's not particularly you know brand new let's say um but you don't need to change it, do you? So you're not worried about no, changing it. No, that's it. I mean, I think, I'm, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast before, but someone came up to me and they looked at my camera and I said, wow, that, that looks like quite an expensive camera. I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's worth a few bob, but, you know, I've had it for a while. Says, it, it must take amazing pictures. And I said, yeah, I taught it everything it knows. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, that's a good it's, line. It, well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm not that fussed about going for the, you know, the latest thing in, in camera technology because I know at the moment what my camera does, does what I, I need it to do, and it, and it is me leading the camera. You know, if there comes a point where I feel that other photographers are, are able to get shots, say I don't know, in in lower light or something, which my camera can't do, there's certain elements there where you have to think, okay, well. There's only so much I can do maybe to compete with that person. I need to get a camera that can also 
work in in say lower light or, or or whatever it is you know if your camera is slower at focusing than somebody else's and you're, you're a sports photographer then you might be in trouble um but generally you're absolutely bob on rob it's it's you know i reckon there's some people that can take better pictures on their phones because they know a lot about photography than someone who's just splashed the cash and knows doesn't know one thing about photography on on i don't know the alpha a you know the, the alpha one but do you it's, think all- it's not about that but do you think you know um that if you turn up as a photographer to say a particular job and you've got a camera that's that that's that doesn't look like it's you know like maybe top end and some people recognize that and some people say oh but you're only using the nikon one i've got the you know i've got a mate who's using nikon five and you're supposed to be a professional you know and there's a bit of that and i've been through that i remember that when i moved from digital from sorry from film to digital at weddings we were shooting medium format now one of the things that was i was really hesitant about moving to digital was i was now going to be going to weddings with a dslr and a lot of other people were going to have dslrs so that was one thing that wasn't separating me from being the professional and clearly being seen as the professional photographer on the day because I used to have a medium format on a tri medium format camera on a tripod. Now I was going handheld with a DSLR. I could have been anyone, you know, I could have just been a guest there. And I had, I, I sort of went through that. And that was one of the reasons that actually made me buy the Nikon D3, which was their top camera at the time, because I thought not many people are going to have the D3. I need to make sure that I stand out as the photographer. So that's not me being up myself. That was purely giving an impression that hey look i am the professional here i am the one you, that's, do you think didn't you say to me though that yeah you, you bought the d3 and then you bought the was it the 750 no i bought the d3 then i bought the d4 then the d4s and then i changed from the d4s to the d750 so i did go down yeah. but, but by then but you said the d750 was better did you not for my needs for weddings yeah, yeah for my needs it was better but by then i'd gone past the you know, mm. I had a medium format camera and I, you know, I need to separate myself because years had gone by. So it was a norm anyway, but I changed the D4S to the D750 because I was reading so much about the D750 for, I'm talking about weddings here specifically because it yeah. was regarded as the best wedding uh, camera um, at the time. Guys, can I jump in there? Mm. Um, because with this uh, discussion piece, if you like, I, I wanted to talk oh, less about gear, the gear. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. and uh, we've, we've fallen into our, our own trap there. Of, of yeah. Talking about gear. But I think we can all agree though that, you know, we do get caught in that fly trap, so to speak, that, uh, mm. you know, mm. we can just get so caught up in gear that it can just dominate what we actually focus on. Mm. It doesn't really matter. And I want to talk a little bit about compositions. So in, in, in light of this revelation that we talk <laughs> too much about gear, um, I am going <laughs> to bring that. to light... Uh, some quick advice and tips and i want you guys to do the same for people to instantly improve their composition okay and one of the things i want to talk about is um what cam has dubbed over the years and he's accused me of from time to time shock horror (laughs) is uh taking lazy shots um and i think cam if i've got your definition of a lazy shot right that is where let's say you've got um you know an object of some sort i'm talking about a wedding context here so let's say you've got um some wedding favors on a a table Mm. in the reception and you're taking some quote-unquote creative shots um if you just come down and you just sort of look you know straight over the top or you're just staying at eye level with your shots and things like that that's what cam calls a lazy shot is that right cam 
Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. when you just you, you point your camera down from your normal standing height, you point it down, you take the picture and you walk away. You could have the wedding dress hanging up, say, for example, but you just shoot it at eye level. Yeah, that's lazy photography. You know, whereas if you come down a lot of the time and, and almost down to sort of knee height, you crouch down or something. And I'm not saying necessarily look up, but come to a, a different viewpoint, different angle. One, you get better depth of field in your images. Um, but your images look just so much more creative and so much better. But I see so many photos um, from photographers online where they have literally just picked up their camera, pointed it down and and gone click. Well, now, whether I, I think feel- it's different, though. Sorry to jump in, Cam, but I think it's mm. different when you've got um, when you're doing kind of like flat lay stuff and it's very much deliberately kind of bird's eye. Yeah, that is different. laid out. That's that's not really what that's we're talking yeah. about. But, yeah, it's no. that very quick kind of rushed shot where you just you're taking it very quickly. You haven't really thought about it. You look down, take the picture or let's say you've got, um, you know, uh, something in front of you that you're taking a portrait or, um, you know, a scene at an event and you're just taking it eye level. Same thing applies there. Just come down to, you know, get up high or come down low can really change, um, you know, the look of your photos. And it's one of those things where, you know, how many people do we know that say, oh, you know, little Tim down the road, he's five years old, six years old, you know, little Tim guys, um, (laughs) he's down the road and he takes amazing pictures. His pictures are probably no different, really, to what a lot of people do. I'm not slagging off little Tim here. I'm sure he's a great, <laughs> talented little photographer. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, you're, you're going to get some, we're going to get some horrible Twitter comments now. <laughs> but what happens is, is, is the reason that a lot of parents or family members will say this about a young person in their family is that they're already low down. They're already, you know, or it's they're true. my height already, but they're, they're already, <laughs> um, you know, three foot something and they're seeing everything a, a much lower kind of uh, perspective to, to what you would as an adult seeing it yeah. at your kind of average eye, eye eye level and that's why they take great pictures so like cam said he did sort of pinch my point a little bit so i'm still going to claim it as mine but take changing it. your levels you know um get up high get down low instantly will, will change the look um of your images so that's that's my tip cam all right okay that's all right. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. So, so go on, so, Mark. Well, yeah, Mark, 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 my tip is, um, I mean, it depends on, it does depend on what you're doing, but shooting through things always look really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can create, or, or shooting things where you can create bokeh. Um, so for example, if you're, I mean, I, I remember I've done some shots or, or reflections or mirrors, just using things, to take pitch differently. So I was at a Gurdwara and um, Gurdwara is uh, an Indian temple for those who don't know. And um, you had the, the bride was now in and I noticed they, they were sat in front of um, what is that bit called Cam? Actually, I don't know. Uh, the, the bit in the middle. I'm not sure actually, but it's where the Holy book is. It's where the Holy book is. Yes. I, I don't want to say it's, it's I suppose the equivalent yeah, is the altar, but it's not an altar. It's, it's, it's where the where, Sikh holy book sits in the, in yeah, the middle. It's where the, it, yeah. yeah. But anyway, they, they, they sit in front there. And I noticed that because um, it can be quite elaborately decorated and it had mirrors going round. Um, and so I was shooting sort of half the mirror and half the, 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 the guy with the book. And in the mirror, you had the bride and groom. So it was just messing about with things. And also you can shoot through things as well. So um, if there's something, if you're taking pictures of the bride and groom, whether it's Indian or, or, or white wedding and, you know, there's flowers, you can shoot through the flowers the, the and stalker the bride shot. and groom in the middle. 
Yeah. Oh, mate. No, 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 no. This is like not like me. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Sorry. No, this isn't like me in a bush taking pictures randomly. Creative stalking. I, I realised yeah, that I was not throwing accusations out there at all because I actually quite like doing that myself. Uh, hiding, yeah, you know, so, I don't want to say hide now, but getting right around a, a bush or in, in some flowers. But if it's somewhere. an engagement shoot, for example, yeah. and you're in a botanical gardens or something like that, and, and you can use the flowers to, to shoot through because you're getting that colour, that bocker. If there's any sort of fairy lights, I've done a couple of Christmas weddings where there's fairy lights kicking about. You can sort of shoot where the fairy lights are and then and then you've got the client behind the clients in focus and um, the, the the lights aren't. So it creates that kind of bocker flare kind of feel. Um, so, yeah, any, anything along those lines, when it comes to composition, shoot through things, shoot, um, use reflections, just to be a bit more creative in, mm-hmm. in, in what you're shooting. Yeah, I think mine would be, uh, filling up the frame uh yep. real basic stuff but you know if you want to take a picture you know of a chair say for example you know make sure that the picture is of the chair and it's not of you know 90 80% is of the background and the other 10% you know of the viewfinder is of the actual chair because you know if you want to get a print from that you know the 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 more you fill up the frame the better the quality is going to be um, and I think it's filling up the frame. And, th- and then when you start to look at filling up the frame, you start to pay attention to what's in the background as well. So if there's unwanted detail, that type of thing, you know, it's making maximum use of your viewfinder. And, you know, I always say this, but the camera will do everything for you. It will take, you know, it will autofocus. It will set your shutter speed. It will set your ISO for you auto, you know, the, you know, the, the, but the flash might even pop up for those of you that want to use flash. But the one thing it will do so much for you, but the one thing it won't do is to tell you where to take your photo from and at what point, you know, at what moment in time you should be taking a photo. That's down to you as a photographer. And that's where the composition, whatever type of technique you use, whether it's rule of thirds, negative space, golden ratio, you know, whether you fill up the frame, whether you use reflections, all of those things, they're the, the cameras will not tell you what to do. A camera cannot guide you at that point. That's down to not you, yet. the photographer. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, no. That'd be the next thing, won't it? That'd be the next thing. <laughs> the other thing as well is watch your backgrounds. Sorry, I know this is tip number two from me. That's all right. kind of um, If you're taking a picture of, uh, of someone, just watch what's in the background. If you've got this lovely bride and groom shot all set up and there's a dustbin in the background, which can be seen, you know, crop the dustbin out guys or if you're at a party doing events photography taking a pitch sat down maybe next to a windowsill and there's some empty glasses behind them get remove the glasses you know tidy up your shop yeah or if they're half yeah. drunk glasses just finish them off first then move them to one side <laughs> yeah, well yeah because then you can get these blurry images if you drink too much <laughs> and make right. them... <laughs> chuck, them all, chuck them all in the same glass and you just have to pick up the one glass yeah. to drink oh, from there. Yeah. You know? oh dear but i tell you what let's let's wait for covid to be over before you start doing that oh yeah yeah don't uh, recommend that right yeah. now yeah Mark, what you were just saying about picking up the, you know, uh, moving a rubbish bin, picking up glass and all that, that's really important because, you know, th- there is uh, there are a lot of people that take the view that, oh, don't worry about it, I can crop it afterwards, I'll crop it afterwards. Or, or, when they or see Photoshop it. it. Yeah, I'll Photoshop yeah. it. That's Yeah, or what they'll do is they'll see it on the screen afterwards and they'll think, oh, I didn't see that there. And, again, I think that there, there 
you become a lazy photographer because that means that when you're taking the photo, you're not looking hard enough at your background. You're not looking at the things, you know, whether you should be moving to a different angle. You are perhaps just picking up pointing and shooting. And then you're seeing all of these objects when you put them up on your screen. Think, oh, I didn't see the all those all, you know, the, the pile of glasses and the pile of empty plates that were there in the background and 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 the rubbish bin. But because that means that you're not paying enough attention at the time when you're taking your photo. Now, when you take your photo, that's You've got to get it as, as close as you can because you don't want to spend all your time editing. And, mm. and if you're a professional, you know, editing is time and, you know, time is money. Yeah. You've got to get it right at camera stage. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there, Cameron. I think, you know, that's that's a bit of a, you know, a, a tip and a lesson, I think, for anyone out there that's listening right now, if you're listening and uh, you're guilty of any of these things. Don't kick yourself, but just next time you're out and about, ask yourself, am I being a lazy photographer? And then think about, okay, well, if I am, what can I do to change that? And, and you know, you're not necessarily going to remember all these things we've just said, um, but ask yourself that question. Am I being a lazy photographer? And we're here to tell you now, don't be a lazy photographer. <laughs> yeah. And I want to talk also about something that, that does go on to technique, um, but it starts off a little bit different. And I want to get your view on this, but, and it's to do with photographing people, which a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, out, you know, do all the time. Now, I was flicking through the the channels the other day. Uh, I can't remember what day it was, but going through them, I came to Sky Arts, and Sky Arts is a brilliant channel. I love Sky and Arts. And there was a documentary, two part documentary on Elvis, and it was called The Searcher. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen it, but I love Elvis. Always have been, you know, real big fan of Elvis. And I think he was uh -huh. the, the greatest. <laughs> he was the greatest vocalist of all time for me in rock and roll, pop rock whatever he he's he's number one there's no one i that that robert i think robert comes plant. close uh, robert plant freddie mercury you know marvin gay yeah. right you know you can Crikey. take marvin gay people unsubscribing now hendrix you know no no we're talking vocalists well vocalists yeah you could say hendrix yeah, but actually good, but he could also do the guitar at the same time no, no, no. And he that's... could but when it comes to pure Sorry, vocals tangent. no when it comes to pure vocals i think elvis was the king i think he was absolutely incredible and, you know, we've all got our favourite singers, but I think, you know, Elvis had that. But Elvis had something else as well, because when I was watching that programme, and I thought this before, but I was watching it a bit more closely this time, because they were showing a lot of photos of Elvis, shot photos that were taken in a studio, taken on a film set, taken live on stage, taken just uh, lifestyle type images or just in the moment reportage ones that were taken by fans and family and friends. And I actually think Elvis had everything he was in my opinion the the dream model for any photographer because he had the looks he had the smile oh, he's a good eyes. looking fellow wasn't he he had the smoldering eyes he had the facial features he had well, the, thank you very the, much the body thank you very much yeah <laughs> i'm talking about up until probably 1969 1970 something like that okay. before the latter end of this vegas before, uh... okay but he had it all because whether it was a studio shot photo, a serious photo that was taken by a serious photographer, it was lit and everything, or whether it was they were showing a lot of photos that, that had a lot of camera shape where parts, heads were cut off, where they were taken in the moment back, I'm talking back in the 50s and the 60s, black and white, but they still had this amazing feel to them. You know, he looked incredible in every single image. Now, he knew how to play up to the camera because, because as I said, he, he had it all. But a lot of those pictures were also very natural as well. And... I don't, I can't think of, and, and there's been some amazing actresses and actors that, you know, you take Sophia Loren, you take Marlena Dietrich, 
you know, you take a, a, a lot of those film stars that were shot. But film stars was very different. I know Elvis did films, but film stars were very different because there there's were mainly posed images all taken on film sets. But with Elvis performing live and just having lots of just natural images, it, there's far more variety, I think, of, of his his images. There were actually a lot of Marilyn Monroe as well. She was incredible as well in the way that she photographed. But Elvis was the one, I think, was was captured every time he had an image taken, the, the, the way he looked, he, he, you know, and it didn't matter whether it said it, whether it was a professional picture or just a, a throwaway snap taken by a fan. And I can't think of anyone, I mean, there's some great people, obviously, but I can't think of anyone else that had that aura in front of a camera. Now, a lot of that could do with the photographer. Is a, lot of it, a lot of those images had to do with the photographer getting the right, you know, getting the right feel, you know, getting Elvis to, to work in front of the camera. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to look left. I want you to look right. I want you to look up. I want you to look down. I want to change the lights. We're going to go low key. We're going to go high key. Of course it did. But can you think of anybody else, say in modern times, in the last five years, 10 years, that as was as natural and as, as beautiful as Elvis was in front of the camera? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Coming straight in. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock. <laughs> he, d- he does not photograph bad. Yeah, but he's, he's, he hasn't got that Elvis kind of feel about him. Oh, he's The Rock. And Elvis is a better looking guy. Yeah, I know he's The Rock. Ro- the Rock, it's more about his personality and charm, I think. That Whereas Elvis was a good looking fella before you knew what he was like, right? Even that picture, that famous he- picture of Dwayne when he's got his brown turtleneck on and then there's a gold chain. Remember that picture? That goes around as a meme, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Robert. Right. As as much as everyone loves the Rock, I've got nothing yeah. against the Rock. I think he's brilliant. Okay, but you you cannot compare him to to Elvis. No, but you were saying, is there someone else that that has been photographed really well? It always t- you know it takes a good picture. No, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I did say that. Yes, yeah. and that's that's DJ. Yeah, I suppose it, it's <laughs> DJ. I hope he doesn't become a DJ because he'd be DJ DJ. But uh... you know what? If he did do it, if if the Rock wanted to be a DJ, he'd do it. He'd do it bloody well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would. I think I, I suppose it depends on what you mean by taking a good photo. I mean, Elvis was a naturally handsome man, whereas mm. I don't think the Rock is a naturally handsome man. Um, I think he is a handsome man. Don't get me wrong, and I think a lot of girls are probably screaming at me now, going, "No, he's a." He's, he's awesome. But, you know, I think he's, he's a lot to do with his charm. Whereas Elvis was, like you say, he could just be a catwalk model, couldn't he? He could. He had, I think he had, he had <laughs> it all. We're turning he, into a massive Elvis uh, fan club here. Yeah, I'm not that big a fan of Elvis, to be fair. But I, I understand what, what you say. I mean, I think Jim Morrison's another one. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. a good looking yeah, fella. Yeah. But you know when you um, th- th- there was a bit in this documentary where they had this picture of Elvis and it was it was a naturally taken photo, but he's looking straight at the camera. And I think probably for about a full minute, if not a little bit more, and I think I didn't time it, but they were talking about Elvis and they were zooming in really, really slowly into this picture. And it was so, so, such a slow zoom while they were talking. And it went on and it went on and it went on. And they were going into his eye. And that's what actually made me think of, of this, thinking, do you know what? He was incredible in front of the camera. I've never seen a bad picture of Elvis. In fact, they did an exhibition at the O2 at the O2 Arena, an Elvis exhibition that came over here, and I went to it. Going back, must got be a good few years ago. I don't know if anyone listening went to that exhibition, but it was on for a, on for a few months. And some of the stuff there that was um, 
some of the images that we saw saw there. And I didn't really think of it like that at that point, other than always knowing he was just in, incredible in front of the camera. Um, but I just wanted to throw it out there. I'd, I'd love to know if anyone thinks that if anyone else was on that was on that level and i don't think you can compare like when you look at say picture the beatles and you know there was the beatles and the stones thing in the 60s the stones were the bad boys the beatles were the good boys you know the, the good lads with the happy smiling faces the stones were always about that smoldering angry type of look that anger that they had so those people played up to the camera but but elvis could do the smoldering angry look but he could do the happy look as well and but he did it all he did it all <laughs> <laughs> he did it all he did it all I'd, well uh, I, you know yeah i'd like to know if anyone w w says there might be somebody so obvious out there i honestly I, think I, that the rock I, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to it i don't want to beat a dead horse here but yeah. i honestly think because cam remember we were saying weren't we whenever you see a picture of the rock he's always like adjusting his cuffs or he's you know he's he's checking his walk oh he knows how to and, work and he's it. adjusting yeah. his buttons on his jacket yeah. you know I don't think bad a bad picture of, of, of DJ exists. And I know there's that meme one where he's got his brown turtleneck on, but you know what? He absolutely bosses the brown turtleneck. Yeah, but some of his early shots, man, with the gold chain, don't look good. They date, man. Do you know what I mean? You look at back and you think, he looks so much better now than he did when he was younger. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, whereas Elvis doesn't have that. In fact, with Elvis, he, he could probably say the opposite. His later, you know, when he was starting eating those deep fried banana sandwiches or whatever, mm. that's when he started looking a bit ropey. But Mark, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's just what I was about to say because the, up until probably when Elvis did that 68 special when he was wearing that black leather outfit, um, and I think that was the last time that he looked really good. It was after that that he really let himself go. But he looked incredible in that. But the but not just from the 68 TV special that he did, but going back to those early pictures of when he was much younger, he looked good at whatever age, whereas The Rock, and even Robert, you said it as well, maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it wasn't the case with him so much. And you do look back a bit, but Elvis at every period of his life looked up until 68, early 70, something like that. Oh, well, there we go. Well, let's throw it out to our let's throw it out to our audience and guys you know if you think there's someone out there on the level you know we've put elvis on a real pedestal here now i, I wasn't aware <laughs> that, that we had such an admiration cam for for elvis well the thing is i mean i've always been a fan of elvis I, you know but but this is on a different this is looking at it from a completely different it's looking at it from a f photographic yeah, point of view yeah no, i see what you're saying there yeah it's a good point as well and i'd like to know what other people think you know, i've been shot down with my my uh, contribution here of the rock Dwayne the Dwayne the rock johnson um shout out rock if you're listening but um get in touch guys if if you think you can think of someone uh, we'd like to know put it in the comments um craig put it in the comments we like we want to know who can you think of <laughs> and, i still think um, jim morrison's a shout I think that's a really a good, good shout. Yeah, guy. I was going to say Audrey Hepburn, but Cam said uh, yes. of modern times. Audrey Hepburn was good. Yeah, but yeah. she had well, some classes, didn't she? Like I said, Marlene yeah. Dietrich, Marilyn Monroe, Sophie Loren. But you're looking at things from a vintage perspective, Cam, more so. Yeah, if, if, you is, were, if you were to think yeah. 30 years from now, look back on pictures of today, you don't always notice things in the present. You look back on things and think, oh, do you know what? They were great pictures or that person never took a bad picture or, you know, um, perhaps it's perhaps it's a bit of recency bias or... I mean, Clooney, maybe? George Clooney? I don't think... Yeah, but he... I, no, I don't know. I don't think I've seen a bad picture of George Clooney. No, but not on the... But, but okay, let's let's go back and look at him when he was much younger. I'm talking about 
Elvis over the generate over the years from it throughout his whole career. He he yeah. looked awesome no matter what age he was. But I think Clooney looked good in, in fact, his guys though. What you have to bear in mind is I think this is going to change change the discussion a little bit perhaps, but you think about the way um pictures are taken now uh, the way the press has evolved it's almost a, um, a, a, a paparazzi photographer's mission to catch someone looking at their worst there is that days. Yeah, yeah the types of that. magazines and way we the way we consume celeb gossip and lifestyle now it's all very much you know uh, on the fly out taking the bins out in your dressing gown um back in the day it was much more controlled. You know, there there are probably hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of pictures of Elvis looking bad. But that's not the one they selected at the picture desk, going ready for print, you know. Also, oh, though, there's another yeah. point, actually, which you've just said. Yep. Um, there are hundreds and thousands. There's probably a lot less photographers back in Elvis's day than mm. there are now. True. Yeah. So the, the, the hit rate of getting a good photograph will be lower, surely. If you've got thousands of photographers rather than hundreds of photographers, there's going to be a lot more crap pictures out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'd argue that we're giving the we're giving Elvis too much credit. You know, a lot, you know how much of actually. it comes down to the photographer at the end of the day. Like you say, the camera yeah. doesn't take good pictures. Um, Classically trained photographers does. as well. Maybe exactly. not so much these days. A little bit of a lost art maybe. And, you know, and yeah. I think, like I said, I think the picture desk element where someone's going through for, for the press and deciding which pictures are going to be used, which ones they're going to develop and use, um, that plays a major factor as well because you're not going to choose a crap shot of Elvis for your front page. Yeah. I mean, there isn't that pa- that that paparazzi shot of Elvis on the beach, is there, with his family or whatever, you know, with a beer in one hand or whatever. There isn't no, no, but those no, pictures. No, Mark, like, you say that. No, there are. I mean, I remember I've seen, I have seen loads of Elvis ones over the years, whether they've been on TV programs, whether they've been at the Elvis exhibition that were just Elvis as he really was. So, there, no, there have been a lot. Yeah, but there weren't paparazzi looked- shots, Cam. No, but he I mean? always looks good. I'm saying he always just, he always looked good up until 68, 70. He looked awesome, you know, from I when he went I into think, the army. And I, th- I think Rob's got a really good point. Hang on a minute. Yeah. Hang on. We're going backwards here. <laughs> I think, no, I think Rob's got a really Well, I, I agree no, with the true. fact. True. I, I, I agree with the fact that um, you know, Elvis was a, a, a very technically, stereotypically good looking fella. Whereas, which is what I think is the difference between him and The Rock. So I don't think The Rock is that stereotypically good-looking fella. He is a good-looking fella, but not in the same way that Elvis was. You know, Elvis had that chiseled jawline, the cheekbones, the hair. Yeah, Rock doesn't have any hair, for example. So, (laughs) um, you know, and so there is difference there. But I also agree with what Rob was saying, you know. Uh, I think that when I say pictures on the beach, there's pictures on the beach that you see in the Sun newspaper, which are intendedly to make that person look awful. Whereas I don't think you had that quite as much in Elvis's time. Yeah, I think and that is the way it's changed. And also there's there is now the shock factor as well, the shock value. You yeah. know, people now look how much weight this person's put on or you know, yeah. look at this Elvis person without their makeup. In his later career, actually. Yeah. But. And in, and even though people it might be a situation that somebody looks really good, but they still want photos that shock with that shock value now, although they want to be wearing less, they want to be more risque yeah. or something, or they want to do something that that shocks that much more, you know, uh, which Elvis did when you know, when you know, with his hip shape. Yeah, which was banned. He was 
banned, wasn't he, from being shown below the hips, wasn't he, on TV in the fifties? You know, so that was shock value then. You know, well, guys, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there for today. But yeah, guys, do let us know what you think to each thing we spoke about there. Hopefully, something uh, interesting for all of you, and and we'd like to know what you thought. So, uh, guys, we're going to finish up there. Anything else to add before we close off the show? No, don't think so. No, I don't think so. Thanks thanks for listening. All right, brilliant. Yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you like our Facebook page, The Photography Bar. Uh, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us that review. But most importantly, just, just spread the word. Spread it like butter on your toast, all right? Tell a friend, okay? Get your friend to tell a friend. And together, we will conquer the photography podcasting world. That's our mission. That's our aim. And we're going to do it together. So, guys, we're going to catch you on the next episode of The Photography Bar.